Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pocket Size Pathophys. My name is Sam, and today I'm going to be talking to you about heart failure. Heart failure, as the name suggests, is an impairment of the heart to fill with blood and or eject blood effectively. Heart failure can be categorized into either systolic failure, where the issue is ejecting blood, or diastolic failure, where the issue is the heart filling with blood, as in the heart cannot relax properly. Both of these can lead to an overall inadequate cardiac output. Heart failure can lead to fluid overload and congestion in either the pulmonary, so in the lungs, or the systemic circulation. And this is why heart failure is often also referred to as congestive cardiac failure, or CCF. There's a range of risk factors for heart failure, some of the most important ones being coronary artery disease, including a myocardial infarction, hypertension, high blood pressure, diabetes, or cardiomyopathy. Before we dive into the pathophysiology of heart failure, let's quickly recap normal cardiac functioning. The heart has four chambers, two atria, two ventricles. Blood returns to the heart from the body via the vena cava, both the superior and inferior. This enters the right atrium. It will then go into the right ventricle, where it is pumped into our pulmonary arteries, which passes through the lungs, allowing that blood to be oxygenated. Oxygen in, carbon dioxide out. It will then return to the left atria before going into the left ventricle, which will eject into the whole of our body. Systolic heart failure is a problem with the ventricle contracting and ejecting the blood. There are many causes of systolic heart failure, but the most prominent one that I like to think about is a myocardial infarction, so an MI. So during an MI, part of the ventricle muscle, the myocardium, is starved of oxygen and dies. This area of cardiac tissue will scar and become stiff. So it's no longer able to contract as effectively as it normally would. So as the ventricle tries to contract, there is this section that is scarred and unable to contract, which overall decreases the entire ventricle's capacity to pump blood. So normally the heart contracts in a coordinated manner to squeeze the blood out through the main arteries. Whereas in this setting, there is a section that is not doing its job, and that chain can fail. So this inability for the heart muscle to contract effectively leads to less of the blood that is in the ventricles being ejected, and thus more of that blood is remaining in the ventricles after each contraction. So in a normal healthy heart, the total volume in our ventricles is around about 110 mils, and the stroke volume, so the blood ejected each beat, is around about 70 mils. So it's normal for around about 40 mils to be sitting in the ventricles after each contraction. The amount of blood ejected each beat can be measured and it can be represented as a percentage and we call this the ejection fraction. So a normal ejection fraction is around 64%. But in a systolic heart failure where the heart is struggling to pump out the blood each beat, that percentage will fall below 40%. So we call this heart failure with reduced ejection fraction. 
Diastolic heart failure, on the other hand, the problem is the heart's inability to relax and fill with blood. The heart can only pump out the blood that has entered the ventricles, so inadequate filling results in an inadequate output. So that ejection fraction we're talking about, that percentage that indicates the amount of blood ejected each beat, doesn't necessarily reduce. So this is why diastolic failure can often also be called heart failure with a preserved ejection fraction. This does not mean that the cardiac output is better than in reduced ejection fraction, but it's just how those numbers are measured. Diastolic heart failure can be caused by a range of mechanisms. One of the major causes that, again, I like to think about is in the setting of uncontrolled hypertension, so chronically high blood pressure. So having chronically high blood pressure means there's a really high afterload, the amount of pressure the heart has to compete against to force blood out of the ventricles and into the arteries. So each beat, the heart has to pump harder with more force to try and move the blood from the ventricle into the artery. So if the heart is doing this all day, every day, every single beat is fighting against this higher than normal pressure, the heart muscle tries to adapt. It undergoes hypertrophy. So the ventricle walls themselves are getting thicker, which in turn means there is less and less space inside the ventricle because the walls themselves are getting fatter. So this will compensate initially, but if this keeps going on, eventually the ventricle space will be so small that it's unable to effectively fill with blood, leading to diastolic failure. We can often talk about heart failure in terms of left or right-sided. So heart failure can affect only one side of the heart, or it can affect both sides at the same time, which we call biventricular. If the right side is failing, the symptoms will be seen more systemically, as the blood that is coming into the right side of the heart via the vena cava is ineffectively pumped by the right side of the heart into our pulmonary circulation. So there is a backlog or a congestion in our systemic system. And the most obvious sign of that would be something like peripheral edema, so swelling around the ankles and lower legs. Conversely, if it's the left side of the heart that is predominantly affected, there will be a congestion or a backlog in our pulmonary circulation. So if it's our left ventricle that's struggling to pump blood, there will be an increase in pressure within our pulmonary circulation, which can lead to pulmonary edema. Left-sided heart failure can also lead to right-sided heart failure. That backflow and increase in pressure will cause the right ventricle to have to work harder. Clinically, Patients may have one side that is predominantly affected, but it is very common for both sides of the heart to have some level of dysfunction due to how interlinked the circulatory system is. A quick note on fluid overload. So as mentioned, one of the defining characteristics of heart failure will be a reduction in that cardiac output. One of the body's key mechanisms to respond to a low cardiac output or low blood pressure is via the kidneys and involves the activation of the renin angiotensin aldosterone system, the RAS. I won't go into details about that here, but the key result of this system is an increase in systemic resistance or vascular squeeze and increased fluid retention. So the kidneys will make less urine and hold on to more fluid. This is all an attempt to raise blood pressure. This is a very effective mechanism. So say in the setting of dehydration, both of those work very, very well to increase our blood pressure and maintain our homeostasis. 
Unfortunately, in the setting of heart failure, this becomes maladaptive and this whole process makes it worse. That increase in systemic resistance increases the force that the heart must push against every single beat and the increase in fluid increases the stretch and also the workload of this already compromised, very fragile, vulnerable heart and can worsen heart failure. Retaining this extra fluid, going into fluid overload, also makes it more likely for the patient to develop edema. I will talk more specifically about pulmonary edema in the next episode, but for now that is one of the key signs and symptoms to look out for, is edema, both peripheral, so around the lower legs, or if someone's spending a lot of time lying down, sacral edema at the base of the spine, or pulmonary edema in the lungs. If there is pulmonary edema, you may hear on auscultation basal crackles or crepitations, and they might have dyspnea or feeling short of breath, as well as potentially a decreased oxygen saturation. What's also very common in heart failure is a reduced exercise tolerance, not being able to walk very far without feeling short of breath and having to rest. Also very common for patients to experience orthopnea, so difficulty breathing when they're lying flat. It's very common for patients to sleep with numerous pillows to aid with this symptom. So a quick summary, heart failure can be either systolic, where the issue is with the ventricle's ability to eject blood effectively, or it can be diastolic heart failure, where the issue is an inability for the heart to fill with blood appropriately. Both of these result in a decreased cardiac output, and the left side or the right side or both together can all be affected. So that is the pocket-sized pathophys of heart failure. Put that in your pocket. Thank you very much for listening. I've had a bit of an extended summer break, but hopefully I'll be creating some episodes nearly every week. So stay tuned and please let us know if there's anything you would like an episode on in particular.